It's going to be an awesome day of church. I've already talked to the big man upstairs about that, and he agrees, so you might as well get on board. Before we go any further, I just want to say this. I know a lot of people can sit in just about any church on a Sunday, and it's the scariest part of the week for them. And you sit in your chair, and here's what you think to yourself. You wonder, you, you, you think, I wonder if they really want me here. Like if they really knew, man, if they really knew what was going on up here, some of my thoughts or my, my doubts or where I've been or what I've done or my story, if they really knew, would they really want me here? And can I just say this to you? You are in the right place today and we are so happy that you're here. You're not crashing this party. You're the guest of honor at this party. And in this church, you will always be loved and accepted exactly the way you walk through that door or whatever door you walk through to get into our church. For the rest of the time that we get to be a church or until Jesus comes back, you will be welcomed here and we are glad that you're here and you're in good company. If you look around right now, this is just imperfect people. I mean, you just met Ethan. This is imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. And since this is our very final, not just week, but service in this room, I just wanted to take a, 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 a quick moment and marvel at everything this perfect God has done in us, through us, and for us in this space over the past 58 weeks. In the last 14 months, you guys, we've launched 75 groups in this room. That's crazy, 75 groups. We had our first baptism service and baptized 21 people. We had our very first Easter and Christmas Eve in this room, right? We carried out the world's heaviest furniture that's ever been made 58 times, pushed in the world's heaviest portable church cases and set all this up and tore all this down 58 times times. We hung up that stupid banner 58 times standing on top of a 12-foot ladder with a pole and it never fell and neither did we. Guys, I serve a higher power than knocking on wood, but I don't take any chances when it comes to that thing. It's kind of falling right now. God get us through. And then there's the intangible life change and salvation and miracles and People finding family and discovering purpose and experiencing God and meeting their creator that has happened in here that can't be quantified and can't be measured. And I find myself very sentimental today, which is fitting for a series called Sentimental. And I find myself realizing that if you feel sentimental about something, you're lucky. You're lucky that you get to miss something so much because it means you loved it. And I've loved getting to do church in this room. And I'm just so grateful. I remember, I remember uh, 14 months ago, 14 months and one week ago, one week before we launched, I, I parked my car right down there um, in like, it was 11 p.m. or something like that. I was feeling just, I, it wasn't a good night. I was feeling a burden and a weight maybe heavier than I've ever felt before in my entire life. It was spiritual warfare like I've never felt. And all I, like I sat in my car, Ryan was there, and we just looked through these windows, and all I could think was, this is not going to work. <laughs> there is no, you can't do church in a building like this. It's not made for church. This is a shared workspace. There's a meeting up there right now. Like, you can't do church in this space. Why did we sign this lease? This is not going to work. And I was like, oh, I was panicking. And, and I got here really early this morning, feeling sentimental and parked in that same spot and marveled at the fact that we've done church here. 
and it's been so blessed and God's let us be part of this. And gratitude might be the best thing for your spirit. Gratitude helps make sense of the past, gives you peace for the present, and gives vision for the future. So in a spirit of gratitude, can we just make some noise for God, for everything that he's brought us through, everything that he's done, and everything he will still do. The best is yet to come, and we're just getting started. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 9 for week 2 of Sentimental. Luke chapter 9, this is the story of the transfiguration. Ryan took us through this entire story last week, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. I'll do kind of a flyover, and then I'll zero in on one specific part of the story. But all you need to know is what we're about to read. This is a life-changing experience and moment for Peter, James, and John, three of Jesus' disciples. So here we go, Luke 9, starting in 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto the mountain to pray. The mountain is going to be the place. It's going to be the scene for a life-changing experience. As he was praying, like don't read this too quickly. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning, just a normal Thursday night. Sounds like an epic, epic movie, right? Like imagine seeing this. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus and they spoke about his departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. This was eight days, eight days before Jesus' crucifixion. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. That is a common thing for Peter and his companions. They were sleepy but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And the men were as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter, I love Peter, he says to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and stay here. Jesus, we should stay here. This is awesome. Let's stay up on the mountain. Let us put up three shelters. That's an important word. Three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. There's Luke 9, 28 through 33. I want to call this message God's favorite kids. And I want to convince you that you are one. So Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We give you glory for all you've brought us through. And we're ready for whatever you want to do next. Build our confidence for the future by reminding us of what you've already done in 14 short months. This is to make you famous for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, well, last week, Ryan asked all of us rhetorically if we are, he said, are you a sentimental person? Are you a sentimental person? And I sat right there thinking, I think all of us, to an extent, are sentimental. I know for myself, I'm a very sentimental person person specifically about places. I'm not sure why, like maybe even more so than people. I don't know if that's a good thing, but I get really sentimental about places. So, and I, I really believe this. If I were to go hang out with Justin Bieber at the studio where he recorded his Purpose album, I would be thinking, man, this is so cool hanging out with JB, me and JB. This is awesome. I don't really think I'd be that starstruck. I do know this, though. I would be place-struck. Because the whole time, I would be thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is the studio 
where that guy right there recorded his purpose album. Justin, this is the place where it happened. I get really sentimental about places. Places are, are meaningful. Ryan and I, this is my college buddy Ryan. We just have the same parents. We grew up, uh, our parents live in California. And a few Christmases ago, uh, we, they picked us up from the airport. And my dad, we were driving back to their house, and my dad got lost, which is really weird because he never gets lost, and he knows where he lives. And so we were like, Dad, like what? And, and so he's just driving through the streets of Burbank, California. And it's really weird. He's like, I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, he like pretends to be super frustrated and pulls over on the side of the road at the end of a street and goes, guys, I have no idea where we are, and kind of like glances back to see if we'll notice where we are. And I look to my right, I look out my window, and this is what I see right out the window, right there. Now, I don't know if you know what that is. That is Dunder Mifflin. That is the site where they filmed every episode of all nine seasons of The Office, right there, okay? I hate to, I don't know if this is a spoiler or this crushes you, but it's actually not in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. It is in Burbank, California. And so I look out my window and see that, and then I'm like, well, I, like, obviously I grab my Bible and I go do a, a quiet time. Because for me, I, like, I could go stand there and just like, be there for an hour, just like so moved. Like Steve Carell could walk up and I'd be like, Steve, this is the building, man. This is where it happened. Like Places are so meaningful. And so, let's cut Peter, James, and John a little bit of a break and go back to our story because Peter gets super sentimental about the mountain, about the place, because the mountain marked him. And now he doesn't want to leave. Once again, Luke 9, 33. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here and stay here. Why would we leave this? Let us put up three shelters. That word's important. Shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The Greek word for shelter right there is the word skene. The word skene means a tent, a booth, a tabernacle, or a dwelling. So Peter is essentially saying to Jesus, hey, let me make a, a skene, a shelter for God's presence to dwell on this mountain for his dwelling place. It's a derivative, follow me, teachings, the teaching part's almost over. It's a derivative of the same Greek word that we find in John chapter 1, verse 14. Here it is. The word became flesh, that's word with a capital W, I made I messed up. It's supposed to be a capital. That's Jesus. Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling. Dwelling. There's that word again. Made his dwelling among us, for we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word, capital W word, right? That's Jesus, God the Son, put on skin and bone, came from heaven to earth to make his dwelling, not in a place, but in a people. So through Jesus, in the form of Jesus, God came to tabernacle with his people 
permanently, not in a shelter and not in a church building, but now in a people, which is why the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not just a decision. It is a decision that leads to something profoundly supernatural taking place on the inside of you. Because literally the presence of the God of everything now makes his home within you. His dwelling, his skinne. God now dwells in people, which is why when you show up to church now, you're not showing up to the presence of God. You're showing up with the presence of God. And when you leave here later today and go about your Sunday, you will take the presence of God. You will take heaven with you everywhere that you go. And that's why church is not about a place. It is about a person and his people. This is a story about Peter, James, and John being invited to think bigger about who Jesus is and where Jesus is. I believe our story as a church right now parallels this story. We are currently being invited to think bigger about who and where Jesus is. So we have a friend. His name's John Leach. He's a pastor in Colorado. He's one of our mentors, and he recently was telling us a story about a trip he took to Jerusalem a few years ago. And uh, he went to visit the Wailing Wall, which consists of the final remains of the Jerusalem temple that you read about in the Old Testament, where the Spirit of God dwelled in the Old Covenant, all right, which is a big deal. Like, that's, re that's really cool. So he goes there, and he says, you walk in, and in front of you, there's a wall, and on the wall, there's a sign. And on the sign, it says, behind this wall dwells the holy of holies, which is cool, right? That's the, the, that's the skene of the Old Testament where God's presence, that's where heaven touched earth in the Old Testament before Jesus. But John, he, he, he said, I, I stood there in front of the wall, and it was really nostalgic and really moving, but I also realized in that moment that technically, biblically, I could wear that same sign on a chain around my neck because Jesus has now torn the veil. His presence, you guys, don't miss this, is now an open door, which means he doesn't have to dwell or reside in buildings anymore, which means this temple, look at me, this temple, behind this temple, within this temple, is the holy of holies. That's a big deal. God now goes with me, goes with you everywhere that you go. And so Peter, James, and John had a life-changing experience on the mountain, but what made it life-changing was not the place. It was the person. Places may mark you, but people make you. Specifically one person, his name's Jesus, and he's been with us here at 5540 North Lamar Boulevard, and I'm convinced he's waiting for us right now at 7625 North I-35. And as a church, we have the same invitation as Peter, James, and John to leave our mountain where we've experienced something amazing. We've gotten to be a part of such an incredible story right here. Like this, this place, this building is special. We planted a church here, you guys. And it's worked. And for me, I'm like, oh, I, I, like sometimes I don't really even fully know why. I'm like, God, you simply, you let us be part of this? This kind of life change and 
The trajectories of people's lives have shifted in these chairs. They've experienced you, and he just, he lets us be part of this. And for that reason, I really do feel like we are God's favorite kids. Technically, you are. You don't earn it. You simply just realize you are, and then you act like it. I want to show you that as we finish off for this final sermon in this building. I want to show you exactly what I just said in three ways, three points, and you better believe each point is an alliteration. (laughs) And then the final thing we'll do, the one thing we'll get sentimental about and stay sentimental about is communion, and we'll take that together. We'll sing, and we'll thank him one last time, and we'll close the chapter that we've just gotten to live out. Sound good? Number one, you're God's favorite kid, which means you are favored enough to follow. Man, I want you to believe this about yourself. Favored enough to follow Jesus up the mountain. I want you to know the invitation to follow Jesus into more of his presence and more of his favor is always on the table for you, okay? So I know right now I'm kind of I'm kind of moving into to like unknown territory a little bit. As Christians, we kind of want simple black and white answers for everything about the mysteries of the creator of the universe. Sometimes I feel like maturing in your faith doesn't always mean getting more answers. It means being more and more okay with the questions that you have and trusting that somewhere out there beyond all of our logic and simple answers, he's got the infinite math figured out. However, if I were to just submit something to you about the favor of God because it is a mystery. If you think about favor, there's a difference between God's love for you and God's favor on you. God's love is the same for everybody. It's consistent. It never changes because he never changes. You couldn't get rid of God's love for you if you tried. You're not that good at messing up. His love for you is constant and consistent. But the favor of God rests on everybody differently. Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them walked on water. One of them made it to the foot of the cross. Only three of them went up the mountain with Jesus. Which makes me wonder and makes me think, okay, like I know there's not a formula with God. There's, like, make no mistake, there's no transactions with God. There's one. Your sin for his perfection. Beyond that, no such thing as earning anything from God. There's effort in the kingdom, but not earning. Earning is not a kingdom word. So when it comes to favor, there's no such thing as earning more of it. God is not a cosmic vending machine in the sky. And at the same time, you don't get it without sacrifice. So I'm thinking, man, if there's a secret, I want to know it. We don't... We don't know when God's going to turn on the waterfall of favor, but we can position ourselves beneath the favor faucet for when and if he does. And I'm not a, a theologian or a Bible scholar, but I think the unpredictable, mysterious favor of God is attracted to three things, holiness, humility, and faith. Holiness, humility, and faith. So the answer kind of becomes, how bad do you want the favor of God? How bad do you want the Holy Spirit's power in your life? How badly do you want to walk in that? 
Because while it's not a formula, I know favor is attracted to holiness, humility, and faith. So let's talk holiness really quick. All holiness is is simply being set apart from something so you can be set apart for something bigger and better. Being set apart from the things of this world. So you, on purpose, setting yourself apart from injustice and hatred and lust and envy and materialism and fill in the blank. So you can set yourself apart for the things of God in your life. I'll just give you one little example. So the next time you're at the gym, right guys? And, and in walks, Miss Clearly works out a lot. Yeah, you have, okay, here's, there's two options in this moment. There always is. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the script for you every time there's a temptation that comes your way. And this is true for all of us. There's two options. Either disobey, and that's why we have grace. That's why this is imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. Or, and not that this is a formula, choosing to obey. And maybe, just maybe, I'll walk in more favor and God's presence in my life. I'll position myself beneath the favor faucet because maybe, just maybe, God's going to turn it on. And so next time you're at that gym, you have the option of letting your eyes and your thoughts wander. But you also now have an opportunity, an opportunity to realize just how amazing the insides of your eyelids really are And say, maybe favor is going to fall on my life in a different way. Because I know favor is attracted to holiness. Setting yourself apart for something bigger and better than what the world has to offer you. Holiness, humility. All right, so even like as we move to this new building, and I'm so excited for you guys to see it next week. It's awesome. And as a church, we, we pursue excellence in everything that we do, from production to worship to the graphics to Kids Rock to the parking lot and everything in between. I feel like an excellent God deserves our excellence. Our excellence or our attempt at it is simply just worship. But make no mistake, his favor doesn't fall on excellence. His favor falls on humility and always will. So for us in our spirits, we won't be the excellent church. We will show up week in and week out with humble spirits and contrite hearts, never taking ourselves too seriously, taking church, taking God seriously, but not ourselves, and always knowing and never graduating beyond this belief that, God, if you don't show up, we can't pull this off. We're not good enough at doing church to, to create some kind of man-made move of God. It's you or it's nothing. I believe favor falls on humility. And then favor falls on faith. It just does. Out of the 29 stories of miracles in the Gospels, 26 of them mention the word faith. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. So the question becomes, how do I get more of that then? How do I get more faith? Here's how you don't get more faith. By mustering it. Come on. I've tried that. You'll just get a headache, okay? Easiest way to build your faith is to take a leap of faith, take a risk of obedience that you believe God is calling you to take. If that's moving to a new building, if that's saying, God, you can now have that part of my life, 
I'm scared of not having control in this area, but I'm now giving that to you. Every time you take a risk and then you watch him come through on the other side, your faith builds. Your faith generates all throughout the Bible. Like all, even like with the 12 disciples, like what do you call Peter getting out of the boat? Like we always give Peter a hard time because he sunk. He's the only guy who was out there walking on water. And as far as geography goes, he was the closest of the 12 physically to Jesus in that moment, right? And so you see a bunch of wins like that. Peter had a win there. But then you also see those guys missing out on things because of a lack of faith or a lack of expectancy. Jesus just told him on the mountain at the transfiguration, in eight days, you guys, I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise again, and this is, this is my plan. In fact, it's not, that's not the only time. Like, he also told them three other times, clearly laid out for his disciples, here's my plan, here's what's going to happen. However, one out of 12 made it to the foot of the cross to give Jesus his company. And you might say, like, whoa, it was a tough weekend for them. It was a tough weekend for Jesus, too. One of them made it. How many made it to the, to the tomb? Sunday morning, to see their best friend and Messiah roll the stone away and walk out of the tomb he just borrowed with the keys to hell swinging around his finger. None of them were there to see that. Even though he told them point blank three times, this is what's going to happen. And obviously there's grace for that. Like, hey, salvation is completely free. However, I do know that if you want to see the glories of God in your life, faith and expectancy is the ticket. Because had they had it, they would have witnessed the two most powerful earth-shattering events that history will ever record, the crucifixion and the resurrection. But they weren't, they weren't there. How many opportunities have been missed because of a lack of expectancy and faith? Favor is not a formula, but it's attracted to faith, humility, and holiness. Faith, humility, and holiness. You're favored. You're God's favorite kid. You don't do something to earn that status. You, you just realize you already are that. And then you go and, and you do likewise. Technically, you are. It's been my prayer all week that you'd walk out of here believing, man, I'm, I feel like God's favorite kid, man. Put a little extra swagger in your step and holy confidence. Not arrogance, but the children of God should be confident. We should be confident. If you've had a bad week and you need to walk back to the throne of grace, you don't come back to the throne of grace to your heavenly father like a puppy with its tail between its legs, just like, are you mad at me? Like, the children of God run back confidently to their death. Even in the aftermath of a, the biggest mess up. Find out how big his grace really is if that's been your week. I hope you find out today, favored to follow Jesus up the mountain. And then number two, you are lucky. We are lucky to leave. Lucky to leave the mountain. They couldn't see it at the time, but Peter, James, and John were lucky to follow Jesus down the mountain. And so growing up, uh, we moved a lot. Our family, like every few years, um, my parents would always sit me and Ryan down, my college buddy Ryan. They'd sit us down, and uh, they'd break the news to us. We're moving. We're moving again. 
Ohio, Indiana, California, Colorado, Arizona, California, Colorado, and Texas. And there would, there would be tears every time we had that conversation, of course. But I am so grateful, and I mean this with all my heart, I am so grateful for what leaving led to. A month ago, I was in Denver preaching um, at our Red Rocks locations in Denver. Flew into DIA. It was during rush hour. So Google Maps took me on a weird route to our Littleton campus that just so happened to take me right past my old condo. Sam and I, our first home was a condo on a golf course right next to Ethan and Steph's condo on the same, like, surprise, surprise. We've lived either with each other or next to each other for the last decade. And I pulled into the, my old parking spot, and I looked at my condo, and I started to get super sentimental. And so I just put on Dairy to Move by Switchfoot and just started crying in my car. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's the staircase. I used to climb to my front door after work every evening. That's the spot, man, where Ethan and Bowser would pick me and Luna up to go play fetch at the field every evening. Right there, that's where it happened. That's the green we used to sneak on and chip and putt once a, once a week. <laughs> this is the first home my wife and I ever but, and I was just, man, I was feeling it, and I was crying, and I FaceTimed Sam, and, and we reminisced for a little bit, and then I FaceTimed Ethan, and we reminisced for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, like, while I was talking to him, like, I, I snapped out of something and realized everybody I just called went with me <laughs> when I left. <laughs> Places mark you, and that's a beautiful thing. Places mark you, but it's people who make you. I am so lucky to leave. Lucky to miss it and lucky to leave. Like, thank God Peter, James, and John did not stay on that mountain. Thank God they came down that mountain and started the church, which was a spark that has become a wildfire that cannot be stopped from Judea, Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth and now Austin, Texas, which is why we're even here. Like, you know how much confidence that gives me? The fact that this started on a mountain and now is in Austin. Like this little move that we have this week is nothing for God. The church cannot be stopped. Not even the gates of hell will prevail against it in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution. Like I thought about it this week, if your mission for whatever reason in life is to take down the church, whatever you do, don't persecute it. You'll only do it a favor. You're best, better off just doing nothing. I think the best way that we can honor the fact that God is an open door now with his presence is to leave here in about 20 or 30 minutes knowing that I'm bringing heaven with me and Jesus is waiting for us at this building next week and it's only getting started, and some things are gonna change, and that's a good thing, you guys. Some things have to change. If our doors are gonna get wider, and our roots are gonna grow deeper, and our reach is gonna get farther, which it should, we should strive for those things, then by definition, some stuff has to change. And that's a good thing. Things have changed even in the 14 months that we've been in this room. Put up this first picture. This was our very first Kids Rock. <laughs> Can you put up the next picture? 
That top picture was about a year ago at our most full service. That bottom picture was just a couple weeks ago. Some things have to change. Growth requires change. And no, hey, we're about to go back to, to picture A on that. We're about to move into a bigger space and there's gonna be a lot more empty chairs, but nobody on this staff or on this team is nervous about empty chairs. Empty chairs are simply an opportunity. God did not give us this building full. He gave us this building to fill. And this new building, he's not giving it to us full. He's giving it to us to fill, to come down off of the mountain. There's more people to find. There's more, there's more souls to invite to church, not to come and see a show or a service, but to meet their Savior and experience the God of everything who loves them like crazy and has a plan for their life because if they come and they meet Jesus, they'll come back. Something will change and shift when you... <sighs> but some things will, will never change. Community, family, in this together, it's our foundation at Red Rocks Church, striving to be a small church with a lot of people together will remain the same. This will be our heartbeat until the day Jesus comes back. We're lucky to have something to miss. We're lucky to get to leave this for what lies ahead. Favored to follow Jesus up the mountain, lucky to leave the mountain and build his church. And last but not least, we are privileged to partake. Who are those who are privileged enough to partake? Simply those who want to. From every tribe, every tongue, every nation, ethnicity, age, background, and story. And so how I wanted to end this time here, you had a little communion cup on your, uh, on your chair if you wanna grab that. The one thing we'll get sentimental about and stay sentimental about is this right here. <laughs> if you're like, wait, this is communion? Yeah, this is all we could afford. We couldn't swing for the loaf of bread and the gallon of grape juice. Not yet. In the top, there's a little wafer if you just want to grab that. And don't take it yet. I'll walk you through this. Remembering what Jesus did for us on that cross to make his presence an open door. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took his disciples to an upper room to share in a Passover meal, which is a meal to remind them of how God back in the Old Testament brought his people out of slavery and into freedom. And Jesus is explaining this to his 12 friends. And then he goes on to say, everything about the Old Testament has been leading up to me and to this point. I'm going to make a way for us to enter the new covenant. I'm tearing the veil. Because of me, you can wear that sign on a chain around your neck that says, in this temple dwells the holy of holies. No longer do you have to go to a building to find me. No longer do you have to clean yourself up to get to God because of this moment right here. This is a meal that you will never be able to afford, but that has already been paid for, that you can take on your own to remember any time you want and regardless of your week once again I like I, I don't know what it is but I feel like there's somebody here maybe who you just feel so ashamed right now like you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior but you haven't been acting like it and you you take this kind of with a somber woe is me spirit that would have you thinking well God's mad at me and if anything he's just gonna let me do this right now and as God's favorite kid don't you dare you celebrate grace 
and you celebrate the fact that he is better at saving you than you are at sinning. And his plans for you will not be taken away just because you lose your way for a little bit and you run back to your heavenly father who has his arms open wide waiting for you right now with confidence knowing that you're perfect in his sight despite the fact that you're a work in progress because he who knew no sin became sin. This was about to happen. Jesus was about to literally become sin to make the only transaction in the entire Bible where he takes your sin from you and imputes to you his righteousness. And that is what we celebrate today. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. So let's take and eat together in remembrance of him. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he says, hold on really quick. You may not understand all of this right now, you guys, but tomorrow I'm gonna finish everything once and for all. This war that we've been fighting against death, make no mistake, I'm ending it tomorrow by my perfect blood being spilled. He lived a perfect life and died at the perfect moment as a perfect sacrifice in order to perfect some very imperfect people. Imperfect people, perfect God. Let's drink in remembrance of that.